Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me on the phone, a longtime king now. It seems like he's he's gone, he's back, and he's he's still here. <laughs> Mr. Omri Caspi. Omri, what's going on? Right, great, great, great. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right, so Omri, you've had just the craziest busy summer ever. Uh, you got married this summer, and <laughs> yep. I, I mean, how excited are you to really? You've grown up in the NBA, and yeah, like when I saw you the first time, you were a young guy. You had just—I think I started covering the team. You had just finished your rookie season, and you mm-hmm. were just this young guy. You were green. Your brother was around all the time. It was like you didn't know what you were just getting used to America, and now you're. Like an adult, you're an adult, you're married, everything. It's crazy. I know, I know. Sometimes I have to pinch myself to to realize that everything is going by so fast. and uh, All the blessings that we have in our life, you know, and uh, I'm just so excited. You know, Shani, my wife, been with me the last two years in Sacramento, and um, she had a great connection to the city, and, you know, now we're coming back as, as a, you know, what she's my wife, you know, and then uh, I'm happy, you know. It's, it's you know, time goes by fast, and and finally we have opportunities to raise our whole family and to play basketball and be playing for for your family, basically. So I'm really happy. All right, so there's been a lot of changes, you know that in Sacramento. I think there's always mm-hmm. a lot of ch- changes. But have, right. have you got to speak to Dave Yeager yet? Do you know anything about him? What is it your first? thoughts when you heard that Dave Yeager was going to be your new head coach? Well, we competed against him, you know, plenty of times in the, in the, several, in the last several years. And uh, we talked after the Kings hired him. Uh, I think he reached out to kind of all the players on the team. And, you know, he said that, you know, he's really excited for the opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, we feel like we have, you know, good core players that can, you know, grow and, and, and start playing together and, and win some games. And I feel like you know, Dave is, uh, uh, is such a good coach that, you know, him by himself will win 35 games. And I'm excited for the year. I mean, a lot of guys, uh, reporters and TV media talked about our team this year and they kind of, you know, write us off. But I feel like we have, you know, good core players that can, they can have, you know, they can have the team win basketball games, especially with Dave now. And, you know, I feel like, you know, the league has changed and they're now, you know, with the tier they had in Memphis, uh, they played big most of the time and with, with Mark and, and Zebo. The team, our team is a little bit different and, and the league has changed in the last several years and then and guys and teams are going smaller now. And, you know, we have opportunities to, to play different lineups uh, and we have opportunities to, you know, show different, you know, skill sets on the court, you know, in certain times and, you know, so I'm ready for camp. I'm excited for camp. You know, everybody coming together and getting to know each other, the new guys and the, and the older guys that played in the team for a few years now. And, you know, put everything on the court to win basketball games. 
I know at the end of the season, your biggest concern was let's get let's get some pros in here, some guys that are locker room guys that are good people. And it really does look like Vlade's focus was on finding guys. I know that uh, Garrett Temple and Anthony Tolliver, both of those guys were voted their the with the best teammate for their teams. Um, Aaron Aflalo mm-hmm. is a veteran guy. Matt Barnes is a guy that, while you may not love to play against him, I, I think people who play with him actually have a really good sort of understanding of what he brings to the table. But are you happy with with sort of the additions that you've seen? Yeah, I'm really happy. I mean, I feel like you know one of the mindsets going into the going into the off season was is getting intangible guys. And the guys are so good in, in basketball and NBA. It doesn't, you know, to a certain degree that the guys, you know, that bring positive attitude and positive energy to the locker room can help the team grow so much. Then, you know, sometimes when a negative player comes in and uh, drags everyone down in, to a certain degree. So I'm really excited. Garrett, I played with Garrett when, you know, when we were rookies. Uh, he came around to Sacramento once and, and you know, so – all those guys that they're brought in and then these are real veterans. These are guys that can help, you know, carry, you know, one another to, to, to the goal that we want to, want to achieve this year. And so I can't wait. Like I said, you know, training camp, you know, just around the corner for six weeks and uh, it's time for us to come together and, and, and put everything aside and then work to a common goal. All right. So when I look at these group, this group of players, Temple, Oliver Barnes, Aflalo, they all say one thing to me, and that is role player. They're guys who understand what it takes, what the sacrifices you have to make to be an NBA player and to be a good teammate. And it's something that I know as a young player, it's really tough and you got to struggle with. But I watched you sort of grow into that understanding. What was it that helped you become that the player that you are today? Because I know you know you had that when you were a young player in Sacramento, it was sort of the sky's the limit, and then you had a rough time in Cleveland. But it seems like Houston mm-hmm. was a major turning point in your career. What is it that it takes to become that role player, that guy who understands his spot in the world? Well, it takes a lot, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, you know, obviously when you have veteran guys, the guys that have been around, uh, they kind of know when they go on, on the court or they step on the court, they know what, what what their strengths and weaknesses are, and what they need to do to help the team win, and what help you know the coach put him on the court in the first place. So basically, when you have those guys coming in this year, and then you know when at any certain point of, of the game, you know what to expect from them and what they're going to bring you know to the basketball court. The same with me, and same with you know most of our guys now. So, um, so to a certain degree, I mean, like I said, it, it's more of, of you maturing and understanding the game of basketball and the game of and the NBA and see what you can do to help the team win basketball game. That's the most important thing. And I feel like, like I said, I, I wrote it as a tweet and, and, you know, I'm not like, you know, so some guys think, oh, I'm a shooter and whatever, I'm, I'm a defender. You know, we all need to look at it as we want to help the team win basketball games and I'll do whatever it takes. And those guys will do whatever it takes. You know, whether they do it whether it's to spot up threes and whether it could be to rebound or just to be sometimes on the bench. All right. So when I look at the way that your your game is developed, as a young mm-hmm. player, you shot a ton of mid range jumpers and right. you know and all of that's gone. All of those mid range jumpers right. are gone. You're now a slasher mm-hmm. and you're a, a dead eye three point shooter now. You shot almost forty one percent last year from three. 
How did that develop? How was it someone specifically saying this is the way that you're going to be successful in the league? Yeah, I mean, I worked a lot with my, with my coach David Thorpe every summer in the last three, four years, and, and really, I feel like my game, uh, you know, the three point shot, the three point shot is so important in my game. And when I knock down shots and I feel comfortable on the court, I, I can bring a lot more to the table. So. You know, we cleaned things up. Uh, we worked on our, on our strengths and weaknesses that I need to work on and my my jump shot. And, you know, I feel like I can show a lot more when I'm making and knocking down shots. Now you're knocking down shots, and that's going to get you paid in the NBA at this point. Shooters, when you have an elite skill at shooting, that's sort of – it's it's a moneymaker. And when you're watching this summer's free agency and how it just went crazy – and you're sitting there with your two-year deal looking around. Uh, how <laughs> how excited are you to jump in next summer and and sort of cash in for all of the hard work that you've you've put into the game? I'm excited. You know, it's it's a great time to be an NBA player. You know, the the money that goes around is is the craziest that I've witnessed, and I think you too. Uh, but you know, I. I yeah, you know that you know I I'd play basketball with with if it was for free, you know, and and, to, and now the money's crazy, and I'm happy, you know, it's, it's good for my family, it's good for 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 players coming all over the world to to play basketball in the NBA, so I'm happy to be around at this time. All right, so every it seems like every summer is this your second or your third year? You've been taking a group of NBA players to Israel. Right. I saw pictures mm-hmm. this year. It's not just NBA players. You're taking. I saw, was it Jeremy Piven was with you? I mean, and Rudy and his wife, right? Echo was there? Yeah, yeah. What is it that you're you're looking to do with this outreach that you do? We have such a beautiful country. Where I'm from, you know, it's my homeland. And uh, I want to show it around to the world, basically. And then, you know, I started my foundation three years ago. And uh, last year we had a you know wonderful group of guys that came over, and this year it was a little bit more diverse with you know like you said Jeremy Piven and some other guys, and you know seeing Israel through the world, and so many times we get such a bad rep represented rep in, in the media, and you know Bed TR and with those guys and Rudy and a lot of guys that asked me you know over the years that how is it over there and if there's so much history etc. So seeing it first first hand and kind of sharing their experiences through social media uh, really helps a lot to, to my country. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. So you spent time with Rudy. Where is Rudy at mentally? Is he ready for this season? It be it with the Kings or someone else, somewhere else. Cause I know he's about as laid back as they get, but he's right. let it be known that he wouldn't mind finding news. Where was he at for you? I mean, I know you guys are close. Yeah, and we're really close. I mean, I mean, Rudy's a pro. Uh, I know things had some, you know, rough moments in time in Sacramento, but Rudy's a pro. Uh, and him and his wife and their family now and their kids, you know, they're excited to get back. And then I thought we talked a lot during the streets and, and about what we can achieve this year with the team and how hard we're going to work, whatever, you know, the circumstances may be, you know. And, you know, that's the NBA. You know, you, you're a pro. we all pros. And I think he's excited to get to training camp and whatever happens from there will go from there. But, you know, time will tell. All right. And, and you're watching DeMarcus. You and DeMarcus have known uh, each other forever. Yeah. He floated in the Dead Sea with you last summer. This, <laughs> this summer, yeah. he's 
He's in Rio living the dream of, of chasing Olympic gold. How happy are you for him and, and sort of watch oh. him grow and become this man that he is? Oh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, he's just, you know, he works a lot, you know, and, and, and now it's his time to achieve and, and start touching, you know, the skies and, and the stars, you know, and he deserves it, you know, to, to be around, uh, you know, with him for, what, six, seven years now and then, and now seeing him, you know, being in the Olympics and, and sharing his moments through social media and really getting excited and, and you know, being with Mike Krzyzewski and, and their coaching staff and learning and getting better and better. I think he'll come in the best shape ever to camp. Um, so last year, that was a huge year for him. You know, we can expect even better year this year. So um, I'm excited for, for the fans of Sacramento to, to have opportunity to, to have, you know, play this caliber to play in our team and then carry our team forward. It's time for us to get to the playoffs. It's time for us to, to start winning some games. All right, start winning some games. That would be nice. Uh, we got a new arena in Sacramento. Oh, my God, yeah. Are you looking forward to that first night, walking in there and seeing this? Of course. Can't wait. Yeah, I think it's all of us. I think it's really all of us, really, and, and I can't wait. All right, I, I want to ask you one thing. I know um, in the last couple of days we've seen that Dante Green is trying to get back into the NBA, and he's 28 oh, years wow. old, and mm-hmm. you guys came up together. You guys were, uh, you know, I, I think actually there was a trade, and your mm-hmm. your draft pick and him as a draft pick both came to Sacramento um, from wow. Houston. And, you know, what is it – how hard is it to live the NBA lifestyle and not get lost and not, you know – because you've had that moment where it almost slipped through your fingers and then – you rallied and you came back and now you're, you know, a very valuable piece to a team. But, you know, seeing how it doesn't always work out for guys like Dante Green and even I, from what I know, Jason Thompson hasn't even signed yet this summer. What is that like sort of clinging to NBA life? Well, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. We all come in as, in a very young age and sometimes, you know, all of us don't know how to handle it, you know, for the good and the bad. You know, but at the same time, you know, always it was known that Dante has a great NBA talent. You know, he might take it a different route, but he definitely deserves another chance, an opportunity to to show, you know, showcase his skills and and how far he's grown and and, and got better. And I feel like, you know, 28 is a great time. I mean, most people say your prime is from what 27 to 32, and and and, uh, your prime is is. Yeah, and time to, to kind of show the world that he can still play and, and play well. So he deserves an opportunity. Like I said, he's, he's a great NBA talent, and you know he's a great locker room guy. He's one of the best teammates I've had in the last you know several years, and I'm excited for him. All right, so you're coming back to Sacramento soon, I assume. You're going to start getting in the gym. Yep. Mm-hmm. Five or six weeks until training camp. Is this a team yep. that can finally break the seal and get into the playoffs? I think so. I think so. I'm coming in in great mindset to this to this training camp and this season. You know, I've been in Florida for the last the past what six six weeks, and I'm going back to Florida now and just to keep working, keep keep getting better, coming in best shape to, to training camp and, and and to help the team win basketball game. That's the most important. Friends, our, friends, our fans deserve it. Our team deserve it. Our front office and our coaches. And, Everybody involved deserved to, to finally, you know, break it and break into the playoffs and get into the opportunity where we need to be. So I'm excited. 
All right, there is Omri Caspi, small forward for the Sacramento Kings. Omri, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much, Jay. Welcome back to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of HoopDashBall.com. Baby, what's going on? Hey, you had a little extra mustard on that, James Ham. Well, That's I'm good. on vacation. I'm on vacation, Aaron Bruski. Taking oh, time you... from my vacay to, to you know, be dedicated and do our thing here. Hey, good for you, man. You know, I, I don't. I, I put a little extra mustard on my, I don't know, my stat review here on a Friday night. God, I'm lame. <laughs> Somebody help me. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I'm kind of caught up in the Olympic craze. I'm not usually an Olympic guy, but I, the Michael Phelps stuff, uh, the women's gymnastics stuff, the Team USA women's soccer team losing and getting bounced was incredible. The game between Australia, the women's uh, soccer match between Australia and Brazil was like an instant classic. Just incredible grit. Went to I was just telling you just like eight. I think it went to eight or nine penalty kicks at the end. So they got through the standard five, and then they had to keep going because it was it, it was still Ooh. tied up. It was just incredible. So what the about Olympics... the what about the swimmer, the women's swimmer? Which one? Uh, I, I don't I don't know how to pronounce her name because I'm not watching this very closely. It was like Katie. I want to say Ledecky. Oh, Ledecky. Anyway. Oh yeah, Ledecky's just been dominating. She's been killing she everyone. She won by like freaking like a lap. Uh, Who does that? She's been doing that most of her races. It's just incredible to watch. I, I, there was a there was a woman runner. I think it was the sixteen hundred meter, and it looked like like the photos of the finish are her like winning by like I don't know like maybe twenty feet, and they're like, "Don't let that fool you." That lady that she's passing, she's lapping, and she won by she broke the world record by fourteen seconds. Yeah, we haven't seen anything like. And then the uh, gymnast Simone and I don't know her last name, but Biles, I was reading, Biles, yeah. Yeah, I was reading she her margin of victory was something greater than like the large the the margins of victory for the last 10 winners combined or something crazy like that. Yeah, and that's just yeah. that's crazy. I mean, you just don't see that stuff. Well, and she's got an incredible story too. She's one of those uh her her grandfather, I believe, adopted her as as a young as a newborn and has taken care of her him, you know, his grand, the grandparents have. And her story is just incredible. I mean, she is, she is so incredible to watch. She's like four foot eight and it's like, she's got springs and she's so incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, and I don't watch this stuff year round, but when you get the chance to sit back and appreciate a little bit of this and just look at people that are, They've spent their entire lives getting to a point where they can do something so great that they make the Olympics. And I don't care if it's trap shooting or if it's fencing or whatever it is. It, if you're that good at anything, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to pick apart the Olympics, too, for various scandals or, or, you know, whatever the crap that money brings into the equation. But when you see the convergence of all these cultures in the world stage and, and you know, I, I mean, unfortunately, I just watch the basketball and uh, that's all I'm limited to, which 
kind of sucks, but, um, you know, just watching crowd shots, I'd just love to be there. I can't wait to go for my first time in another country, not when it's here in the United States, but, you know, just the convergence of all the cultures and, and seeing people get together and, and on that big stage, you know, after having spent their lives dedicated to a craft, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And the, the pool thing is, is awesome. <laughs> the, the green pool, <laughs> the green pool, the, the fact that the pool, my God, green. The, that's yeah. what these cities do, though. They, they, they bid, they get the deal and then they don't know how to handle the deal. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, this, this is back to back Olympics where it's just become a it's comedy. a show. Yeah, it's a comedy of errors. And you're like, how could all of this happen? I mean, again, Russia was just a debacle. And then to see it all play out, I saw some some uh, photos on Twitter of one of the teams, I can't even remember what country they were from. I think it was Jamaica. I saw where like yes. there's nothing. It was it was and it was the same in Russia where the bathrooms aren't taken care of. And I saw a Sean Devaney's article where like the bathroom doors open inward. You can't open the door. You gotta like jump through the the crack and 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 then there's receptacles on the side for the toilet paper. It's a mess. And yeah. I don't think that's ever changing to be honest. I mean, maybe in in countries that have more infrastructure and more quality control, they can mitigate this a little bit. But these cities, they just bid big, and then they don't have what it takes to live up to their bid. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It was the uh, the Jamaicans, and that, that was so horrible. They got to their hotel rooms, and like all of the workers' tools and stuff were still, their showers weren't done, and all of their tools and supplies were sitting there in the shower like, what do we do? Where do we go? Just a couple of workers still there. They're like, hey, man, we live here, too. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. OK, so let's get to the little bit of business that we do have. Um, thank you so much to Omri Caspi for coming in in the first half of the podcast. Uh, you know what? To be honest with you, Aaron, I don't know that Omri's ever been on the podcast, which is very strange because me and Omri have a really good relationship. Uh, I started covering Omri in his second season, and he was such a young kid who had no idea what was going on. And there are certain things about Omri that he he's the first Israeli-born player to ever play in the NBA, and he he has so many mannerisms that are different from typical NBA players. And you know he he comes out wearing like fuzzy slipper shoes and pants that come up four inches above his ankle and like a real suit that ends right there like four inches above his ankle he's such a different guy and he's never changed except for he's grown as a person and as a man and that for me someone who's like this will be my seventh season covering the team and he was gone for a couple of years and he really struggled during those couple of years but seeing him come full circle and again this summer he got married uh, he's he's still doing his his amazing work where he's trying to showcase Israel to other NBA players and other celebrities now. Um, he's such to me, he's such a cool guy. And I, again, I'm really surprised that I don't think he's ever been on any of the podcasts, but he will be again. So I, I hope people like that. Um, Omri is a spectacular human being. He just wants to win and he just wants to do it the right way. And he went to Vlade at the end of the season and said, look, I need you to get us good people, good people, like no more of this 
taking risks on guys that may or may no more Ty Lawson signings, that type of deal. No more reaching for people that have no business being in the NBA. Just go get us solid veterans. And I know a lot of the Kings were hoping for Ryan Anderson and Courtney Lee, but instead they got Aaron Aflalo, they got Tolliver, they they got Garrett Temple. Uh, even Matt Barnes, you know, is a good locker room guy. And uh, that's what Omri's been pushing for is like bring more people in like myself that are here for the right reasons, that are pushing the right way, that are good teammates, that are good people. And let's build this thing the right way. So uh, I don't know. It, it was good stuff. And and I'm happy to to be able to bring him in and kind of share a little bit of, of who he is because he's he's a different cat, man. And he's he's a guy who's really up for a giant payday next summer. Well, I mean, he was essentially the kind of the elder statesman of the team last year. And none of that's really too surprising given everything you've said and everything we've seen. So I think it's a big under the radar uh, thing to have him around you know, for the Kings. And he obviously has a good relationship with DeMarcus, you know, the trip with uh, Rudy over to Israel, you know, it's obviously a real good thing as well. Um, that Rudy thing, man, it sure seems like he's sticking around though. I'm, I'm looking at the heat and, and I'm wondering if that is a, a potential landing spot for him and what they do with Chris Bosch uh, owner, Mickey Arison came out today, or actually I should say released a, um, a letter to season ticket holders, and then that was posted on their website, uh, more or less implying Chris Bosch would play. Now, got to kind of take that with a grain of salt because, um, you know, season ticket holders are getting sold tickets. And, you know, if, you, if Chris Bosch, if you don't know whether or not he's going to play and you don't put him in that season ticket holder letter, then that might raise eyebrows. Um, but one way or another, he's a real good fit there in Miami. And, and I think that was coming from his camp, um, you know, the interest in Miami to put that out there in the press. I think after the Olympics are done and some of the dust settles from some of the various signings that, that are going to kind of trickle in here, uh, I think we'll probably get some closure on it. But it sure does seem like he's going to be sticking around. That's what I keep getting the feeling as well. The Kings just aren't going to give him away. And if they're not going to give him away and he's going to be okay coming to camp and the relationship is good enough to come to camp, then I think it's kind of like, well, why not? Why not? Let's, let's give this one last shot and see what happens. And just because Rudy Gay has an opt-out after this season, it doesn't mean he's going to opt-out. It doesn't mean that he's not going to re-sign with the Kings. If things turn around and he becomes part of something that's bigger – then maybe he does stick around and no promises. But again, unless we keep talking about the Heat, but the Heat have nothing to offer. Unless they're going to offer up Goran Dragic, I just don't see that they have anything to offer the the Kings. They're not going to give up. Okay, they're not going to give up Winslow. So outside of that, tell me what they could give up. I don't know their future pick situation, so that's probably their future you know. pick situation is not good. They they don't have uh, the ability to trade a pick for like five years. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's pretty rough. Well, no, um, but they they have back to back. They they already traded back to back picks. 
in one of the other deals to get, uh, I think it was to get Dragic. They gave up a 2018 and 2020 first round pick, which means they can't trade 17 or 19. So, or 2021. So they can't actually trade a pick at all. So unless they can go get a pick, they're, they're pretty much, you know, useless in this situation. See, I wouldn't say they, they don't have anybody to trade because, I, I mean, Tyler Johnson is somebody that I don't know that I would be excited about him at his current rate. But I'll say this, you know, I'm a big fan of his game. He uh, would fulfill a need at point guard, at least in a backup sense, um, and also play some off guard minutes. Josh Richardson, either the Heat would probably never do that, but he's um, he would be a great pickup for Rudy Gay. If you can make that happen, you just do that in a second. At least I would. I think that's the um, guy that a lot of people are pointing to. Like, can we get Josh Richardson? And to be honest with you, I I don't know that much about him as as a player, but the Kings are going to have to get value back. And again. While Rudy may not have huge value, he still has value. Richardson's got a nice career ahead of him. He's got the whole package. He can shoot. He can defend. He can play multi. He can play one through three. And he just, you know what? Some guys fall in the draft, and you you define them by where they get drafted at your own risk. Over a large sample size last year and in the playoffs, he was just nails. And so, you know, you're looking at Rudy Gay, you know, on the downslope of his career. Um, Josh Richardson's contract is nice. Um, you know, eventually you'll have to pay him, but he's on a very, very nice deal. So I think you'd have to do that without even blinking. But that's again, uh, just me. And um, but they've got but, to yeah. throw in other pieces just to make the money work. I mean, you can't trade unless they have a copious amount of cap space, which they don't. And so again, it puts the you just bring as... back just bring back Derek Williams. Uh, <laughs> I thought Derek Williams signed somewhere. He signed in Miami. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he did sign in Miami. Yeah, uh, but you, you, well, and it's funny too because Dion Waiters is is on that team at a really friendly deal. Um, I don't think that I don't think Miami wants to part with him at that friendly deal. I don't know that Dion Waiters. I, I thought all that talk about Dion Waiters was all from his agents, you know, with the the Kings being interested at these mm-hmm. insane rates, and so I was never really buying into that very much. Um, but if theoretically the Kings were interested in him at any of those rates that you kind of heard, him at the rate that he's at would be something the Kings should be very interested in. But again, I don't know if that's true. And I don't know if Miami's willing to part with him. Well, and you can't uh, trade for him or Tyler Johnson until December 15th anyways. Right, because yeah. Because they just signed new contracts this summer. They, they can't be traded until December 15th. And I don't think... They're going to deal Johnson. And to be honest with you, I, I like Tyler Johnson as a player. I think he has some upside. At the same That's time, a crazy deal, though. He's he's played like 68 games in his career. I mean, I'll I be just, worried about his shoulder because yeah. when, when he was playing, a, a lot of these young guys, they they make a small amount of NBA money and they push through injuries because they're trying to get their next deal. And he totally did that with his shoulder. So I, I, I would be very worried about that shoulder. And uh, his long-term viability. But, yeah, I don't know. It's The thing with the Kings and Rudy Gay, I've always thought that a third team needs to get involved so you can mix and match these pieces a little bit better. Because the Kings, it seems like every time we talk about a potential trading partner, there's some sort of hiccup where it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work for both squads. There's going to have to be that third team to grease the wheels. I, I completely agree. I've believed that for a long time. I think that 
like there's a possibility that you could go get some something out of Phoenix, but they don't want Rudiger. You know, they're they're they wouldn't mind a player. I, I would say like if you could get Philadelphia involved and who's shopping either Okafor or Nerlens Noel and you could make something work here where pieces are moving back and forth and all over the place. You know, I think there are ways to improve this roster still. And well, Phoenix is a Phoenix is a great trading partner. I mean, they really don't want to be in the Brandon Knight business. And I don't I'm not sure that Brandon Knight wants to be in the Phoenix business. So You've got Devin Booker, who's grown a little bit, and I do believe he could play small forward for them, but it's just too many cooks in the kitchen. They're sick of that locally. Now, I were, you know, it's funny, you know, I haven't covered relocation for so long. I feel like there's this 10% chance that Phoenix is the next team on the move and that the ownership may or may not be checked out. But you got to think that they are, um, that they're sick of that locally and that they're sensitive to that after having done the three point guard experiment bailed on it and then lost in the trade game uh so they could get rid of brandon knight and brandon knight would be a great fit for the kings <laughs> seems like there's a couple players out there would be a great fit for the kings um so you you got to get a third team involved i think and um you know make it happen I've, i think these teams though they might sit on their assets and wait till the trade deadline and get nothing out of it in the end yeah, I think that's the what the Kings really are trying to avoid is to get nothing out of the Rudy the Rudy Gay situation. So, and again, Rudy he just went and did the whole float in the Dead Sea with uh, with Omri. He was supposed to go last year, but then came up with uh, another baby on the way, and so um, so he didn't go on the trip last summer. Uh, and I think that these things. Sometimes they can have a way of building camaraderie and making someone go, okay, look, I'm willing to stick it out and see what happens one more time. And so I'm not completely, like we've started this conversation, I'm not completely convinced that he won't be there. Come well, he's, night. he's a great fit with the Kings if the, everybody can kind of come to come together and make it work. The Kings need a scorer. Uh, the one thing that I worry about with Rudy on this team Probably the only thing that I worry about offensively is Aaron Aflalo. Aflalo is a ball stopper, and he's not going to gain any separation off the dribble. He's not going to make the players around him better on the offensive side of the ball. And that's been what got Rudy Gay in the past with Rajon Rondo. So that's my only worry. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I just think they need his scoring. I think they need his mid-range game. I think they need him doing the jack of all trades thing at about 18, you know, 14 to 18 feet, one to two dribbles. And uh, the Kings could be pretty dangerous with that. Yeah. Okay. So let's skip forward to, to the DeMarcus Cousins Team USA situation. DeMarcus has really struggled. And I think that's something that no one really expected for him to come in and struggle. But Team USA keeps figuring out ways to win why do you think it is that he struggled so badly? It's almost like his reputation has preceded him into international play. Yeah, it's um I had before that we did the or before we came on here tonight, I, I had to go back and look at tape of his from the Michael Malone era because all that you know, I see the same type of mistakes from last year, especially on the defensive side. And it's intuition. It's how he plays the pick and roll. It's kind of just how he moves in general on the court. And I just needed to kind of reconfirm what I was seeing with my own eyes. Um, 
I, I think it's going to take a while for him to get rid of the bad habits that were generated last year. And I did go back and look at the Michael Malone film. He's a half beat quicker on just about everything. His uh, his defensive awareness is is much better. He's got more energy. Um, the way he just tracks everything, it's a lot cleaner. Um, so I, I think you know after last season, th- these are his first competitive games that he's played. I think it's going to take ten to twenty games under Dave Yeager to to get rid of that. And then you just kind of ask yourself the question of, you know, he did it for Michael Malone. You know, we all know how good of a coach Michael Malone is and, and the connection he had with DeMarcus Cousins. Is Dave Yeager going to be able to bring that back with DeMarcus Cousins? And I think it's it's a fair uh, question to ask, but I, I, I think it's probably a pretty good chance that that happens, though it's going to be on DeMarcus to realize that he's got to change just pure X's and O's and the way that he views the game because he's just getting beat now where he, where he wasn't getting beat about two years ago. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting too that his team USA, his teammates have been pulling him aside and trying to give him positive affirmation. They know how good he is. They know that he's he's struggling and he's once again allowing the officials to get in his head, but that's not really allowed here. And he is actually, unfortunately, he's hurting the team by not being able to stay on the floor, and. You know, I'm watching this game against uh, Serbia today, which Team USA barely squeaks out a win. Barely. I mean, this this game easily could have gone a different way. They just never figured out how to put him away. And DeMarcus couldn't stay on the floor, even against, you know, Jokic looks like a, a player, but he shouldn't dominate. He shouldn't have that kind of impact when you've got Cousins and you got DeAndre Jordan. And he's struggling. That problem is Jokic is really, really good. Um, and people are going to realize that this year. He's going to go out there and dominate this year. Um, but you noticed at the end of the game, Coach K, he didn't trust DeMarcus down the stretch. He wouldn't. He wasn't playing him. I and, found and that I interesting think, as well. And and that's a trust issue because you don't know where he's going to be on the floor. And, you know, defensively, is he going to make the right read? Is he going to step up? Is he going to get beat on the pick and roll? You know, all these things were back in, you know, the Michael Malone days. Yeah, he got beat on the pick and roll, you know, by quicker players. He's a big man. Yeah, sometimes he'd get his feet anchored into the paint and shooters could get off that pick and and get into that 16-foot range and get a wide-open J. That stuff was still happening. But by and large, he was a different player in terms of his reads. And and now, you know, you, you just can't take that stuff. And, and on the offensive side, you know, he's just a little bit more undisciplined. So he spins a lot. You heard Doug Collins talking about that in the telecast quite a bit. He, he goes to the spin move, which takes his eyes off of the action. Defenders can get in there, poke the ball away. So a lot of bad habits. And that was why one, one of the big reasons that I was a proponent of getting rid of George Carl multiple times throughout the season is because you needed to get that stuff out of their system in the last 20 to 30 games last year mm-hmm. rather than waiting until this year because it's going to cost the Kings in the first 20 games of the season. It will be an extended training camp and um, then it's going to be it puts a ton of pressure in a situation where we've always said if they have a bad start, it has a potential to tip the wrong way. Yeah, and, and I think and don't they open the, the don't they open the season with I think it's Phoenix and then San Antonio San Antonio opens the new building. 
Hey, gods. You know, the NBA is going to it's going to be a tough schedule anyway. They slice it. But, you know, this is the penalty that everybody's going to pay for tanking the last, you know, two months of the season is he will need to get the rust or not even the rust, but the stink off of last year's play. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I will I, I hope that happens is a training camp starts at the end of September. But that doesn't mean the players can't get together and start playing together way earlier than that. I hope that Cousins, following the Olympics, takes like a week and a half, two weeks off. He goes and enjoys himself somewhere tropical that doesn't have the fear of Zika and all of the the glitz and the glamour. Get away and then come back to Sacramento first week of September, second week of September. Get with his teammates Start building a, a camaraderie and an understanding. Get on the same page with Willie Cauley-Stein. Get on the pain, same page with Tolliver and start building towards something because I, I think that that is something that has to happen. They have got to figure out a way to mesh because, again, once again, we're right now, we're eight new players, right, on this roster. Last year, it was something like seven or eight new players. We've done it all over again. And that's no way to build a franchise to switch out, you know, two thirds of your roster every single year. You have to find some sort of continuity and it's got to start earlier. It can't start the day that training camp opens. That can't be the day. It can't be like back to school. For media, it's back to school. But for everyone else, they should already have been working together for two or three weeks in non-scheduled non-mandatory training sessions in Sacramento. One thing I will say watching through the tape, Jaeger will probably do this, which is put the ball back in Darren Collison's hands and and Rudy Gay's hands if Rudy Gay's around. And that did actually good things for DeMarcus because he got more quality touches and more quality experiences on the floor. And that led to more energetic play on defense and – it, it kind of put the the other team on their heels quite a bit. So I think Darren Collison having the ball, um, you know, that I think will work wonders for DeMarcus's game. Uh, again, though, you worry about Aaron Aflalo. He has not been able to keep himself in check at any stop that he's been at. It's very much his ball. So you got to watch out for that. Um, but again, you know, if, if they – start out slow for 10 to 20 games. I'm not going to be surprised one bit after the way last year went. So, uh, yeah, you do hope that they get to training camp early and do some unofficial stuff. All right, so you talked about Darren Collison there. I'm going to touch base on this, and then we'll skip backwards to uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, I, I, you know what we got to call him? I, I think we have to call him the BB gun. Who, Bogdanovich? Yeah. All right. I, I like it, the BB gun. Bogdan Bogdanovich, BB. See? Yeah, I can't wait for you to ask him how he likes his new nickname. Well, I I hope so. I hope he's a he's a shooter from the outside. Oh, he won't be here for a year, so I will have long forgotten that I ever made that point. <laughs> but uh, the Collison situation. Let's just get the Collison situation. It's been postponed again, folks. The new court date is August 18th at 8.30 at Placer County, where Darren Collison will once again, hopefully, he won't be there, but his his attorney will be there, 
Again, everything I'm hearing is that they're working towards some sort of settlement here, uh, which will include uh, a no contest or some sort of plea that uh, allows him to accept counseling and with the understanding that if he fulfills his counseling and doesn't get in any trouble in X amount of months, then whatever has happened will be expunged from his record. Um, these are typical things that happen in these situations, but that doesn't mean that the NBA still won't come down on him with a sledgehammer, especially since going back and looking at the Jeff Taylor situation, while this is nowhere near the Jeff Taylor situation, Taylor was, he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge and got 24 games. Now, again, I don't think that's going to happen with, with Collison, um, but he's not getting a game or two like, or three games. That's not, that. I don't think that that's happening. He's going to get hit with something uh, five, 10, 15 games. It will be substantial. And so we'll, once again, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, sort of figuring out what's going to happen. I expect that the NBA already has a plan in place for what they're going to do with Collison. As soon as the suspension, as soon as his court case is done, if he does plead guilty or if he pleads no contest, then the NBA will quickly, a day, two days later, drop some sort of suspension on him so everyone involved knows what the deal is and how he's going to be looked at during the season. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. Well, you know, Garrett Temple, I, I, I've obviously put my name behind him, and uh, I think he'll be a good fit. Uh, you know, especially if Rudy Gay's still around, uh, Rudy's going to get a lot of shots. And, um, so will Aaron Aflalo and Garrett will set the table. Um, I, I, it's, it's going to be a blow for them early again, the speaking to this slow start thing yeah. that, uh, it, it's the, the Kings can't control for that kind of behavior. But I, I mean, all that tanking last year, it's just such a bad, bad, bad idea. Um, but you know what? You move on. You, you get through it, and, and then you hope some of these uh, these draft picks like Bogdan Bogdanovich, or uh, not a draft pick, but an acquisition, that he can come in and, um, I don't know, be interested to get your thoughts. Because I, I think after seeing the international play that I've seen over the last couple months here, you know, I think I've got him figured out. Okay, so I enjoyed watching him play. I thought, my goodness, he's got some skill. First of all, I loved watching him take DeMarcus Cousins off the dribble and lay it up. I thought that that was fun to watch. It's two future teammates that, uh, you know, really, he does have skill. He's got a ton of skill. And the other thing I like is that he has a moxie to him, and his teammates know that, and they go to him. I mean, he missed the, the game-tying shot in the final seconds, but he had a good look. And his teammates seem to know that he's the guy that when the game is on the line, you want to throw it to him. The other thing I really liked uh, is that he can really handle the ball and he works well off the ball, really well without the ball. And a Richard, uh, oh boy, why am I drawing a blank? Um, Richard for, uh, who are you uh, talking about? Yeah. Serbia? No, 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 no. Um, no, no. The little two guard that used to play for Detroit and the Bulls. Um, it'll pop into oh, my head. you mean uh, Rip, Rip Hamilton? Hamilton. Rip, yeah, Rip, Rip Hamilton. 
Wow, he, you really are on vacation, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reminds me a little bit of that, where he's moving off the ball really fast. He He's always turned facing the right way, always calling for the ball, always in proper position to catch and shoot. So I, I really enjoyed that. The other thing I liked is that, I mentioned this to you before we got on, is that he kept coming back and expecting to get the ball from the inbounder, the inbounder uh, after made baskets from Team USA. And that showed me that he's used to handling the ball a majority of the time. And I think that that's a good thing too. Because I think the NBA is moving to a two-point guard system for most teams. You need multiple guys who can handle the ball. It's something that the Kings have really struggled with over the the course of the last couple of years with guys like Ben Mathlemore manning the two. And even if you look at Malachi Richardson, he's not a natural ball handler, NBA-level ball handler today. He's going to take a little while. So I like Bogdanovich, uh, his ability to to do more, you know, almost in a Manu Ginobili-type way where he can actually create for others. He can break people down a little bit. He can do some things that are nice. Um, but I don't, I don't always love just comparing one European guy to another guy who looks similar as far as, you know, black and white and, and, you know, foreign born. I think that Bogdanovich's game, you can see a few different players in his game. And I I got one for you. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, He's like a poor man's CJ McCollum. Huh? And cause, cause he can handle in the pick and roll quite well. And yep. he um, he's definitely got a good shot. That's that's kind of without question. Uh, so I see him being able to handle ball handling duties similarly to uh, the way they handle it in Portland with those guys. Now, is he as good as CJ McCollum? No way. Not even close. Um, this is my my biggest concern with him because he does look like he can handle himself on the basketball court on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and that makes him a player one way or another. Um, you know, he's, I think he's already better than uh, Marco Bellinelli ever has been. I'll put it that way. Wow. Um, but defensively, he he's going to have some trouble. He he was getting bounced around out there like a pinball. And if you're relying on him to be your two guard, you're not winning. I don't um, think he can be a starting two guard day one. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I But, you know, maybe in the right surroundings. Look at a guy... Like JJ Redick, uh, you never knew knew he was a great defender until later in his career. Um, you know, maybe he can develop the skills necessary to make up for his lack of size. Is really what it boils down to. I think his quickness is fine, but he's really thin, and so that'll be that'll be the trouble. But you know, as far as what the Kings got and what they got, now keep this in mind too. A lot of people just kind of arbitrarily look at him as like a rookie or a, a guy that's going to make kind of that low low first-round wage scale, when he comes, he's going to sign for pretty good money. Yeah. And so yeah. that takes a little bit of the the appeal out of the, the, the equation here. But, you know, if you can keep that salary down to, I don't know, low tens, you know, something like that, two- to three-year deal. I think what they're looking at, what I've been reading is that He'll make anywhere between five and nine million dollars a year. If you could do that, that's a, that's a great deal for this guy because he's got a lot of upside. And this international play and playing for Serbia in these big money games, that's that's worth quite a bit. And so 
he'll come into the NBA ready to play, and um, he could be a good, he could be a, a, a solid six man on a pretty good basketball team. And and that at, at under ten million, if the, if those numbers hold up, then that's actually a real good deal. Yeah, and he's he's not that. I mean, he's he's slight of frame, but he's not that small. Like he's six six. Well, he has length, yeah, and that actually works against him in my opinion because he's so thin. His center of gravity is not great. He's going to get bumped off the spot quite a bit in the pick and roll game, but even by guys just driving around him. And yeah. and so. Again, though, you know, you looked at J.J. Redick in the first three, four years of his career. He barely played early on, and he has molded himself into a pretty strong defender. Um, you know, guys aren't bumping him off too much, and he's learned how to play that in-between game that's so critical where you kind of take away the shot, but you also give yourself enough space on the drive. It was something that J.J. Redick did against James Harden and, and had pretty good success with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know... Everybody's got a chance. Everybody can continue to develop. And so I, I think with the offensive skills in play, that's a pretty good pickup. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll repeat this. We've said this a couple of times on the podcast, but uh, not only a scout that told Blake Ellington in his piece on Bogdanovich, that most people believe that he would have gone anywhere between three and five in this, this draft, this last year's draft. This is a high end prospect. I mean, he is not a a guy who's going to come in and change the whole complexity of the franchise but he has the potential to be a really really good six man and maybe if he does keep developing maybe he can slide into the the starting two guard role but this is a very very nice acquisition by the kings especially since he already knows vlade uh and there's a massive intent for him to be with the Kings, you know, long-term that's, that's the idea is for him to come in and fill major role for this team beginning next year. And I think he'll be, he'll be 24 when he comes over. So it's not, again, he's not some green kid who doesn't know what he's doing at all. He's played internationally for years and he's a player that I think people uh, will like, and he's really done well in the Olympics. He's done well in the buildup to the Olympics he missed a couple of points, a couple of shots. But, I mean, at one point, uh, Team USA was defending him with Kevin Durant, which tells you that they respect his game, that they respect what he's trying to do on the on the court. And so, I mean, there is that, right? It, well, I'll say this, too. You're, you're you know, in, in, a, in the Kings position, you're in the eighth seed at best in, like, almost all these scenarios for the next couple of years. Yep. And... You want to take a money ball approach to almost every position on the floor. And you're looking for guys that are going to outperform their contracts. He's going to do that. And you have this hole at, at shooting guard. Aaron Aflalo is probably not long for this team unless something crazy happens and is wildly successful. And even then, you're paying for a player on the downside of his career. So if you can plug him into shooting guard and get 30 minutes a game out of him, you're doing just fine if you're the Kings. It's the other positions you want to worry about. So... It's an overwhelmingly positive situation for the Kings, even if the contract at the end of the day, if it turns out to be 10 or 11 or 12 million dollars, because that's the way things are heading, you know, you're still doing fine. You're not overpaying a player ridiculously while you have no chance to win. That's right. All right. Well, Aaron, since your dog has decided that he wants to be part of the podcast, (laughs) which is 
I'm just, which is totally fine. Um, I, I think we're, we're about done. Do you have any, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, other than my, my great dog does not know when to stop barking. Uh, no, I, I actually, um, would implore readers go check out our draft guide. If you're into fantasy basketball, we're going to be releasing that here in the next couple of weeks over at hoop-ball.com. Uh, we're actually doing quite a bit of stuff over there and, uh, it should be a lot of fun this year unrolling that you, know, you do all this work and, um, eventually you get to put it all out there. So, uh, really looking forward to that. Yeah. And, and people go to hoop-ball.com. Make sure you're reading this stuff uh aaron's breakdowns have been absolutely spectacular and if you're a fantasy sports guy you know that's really aaron's specialty he's going to be able to help you out with your your draft coming up so definitely some good stuff to to jump on there uh we will be back next week uh you're texting me in the middle of the podcast aaron about your dog barking. Oh, I got a great story. You know what? I promised to tell listeners a story. Probably give me a couple years of the incorrect texts that I've sent to various people in the NBA. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice, nice. Incorrect texting me in the yeah. middle of a podcast. Now like I get text, it. Texts that were not intended to go to the to the recipient <laughs> that went to the recipient. And the hilarity that ensued, I uh, promise. Give me a couple years, and I'll probably break those stories down for you guys. There it is. <laughs> there it is. We got a dogging, uh, a barking dog, a uh, a wrong text. It's it's the way that you want to end a uh, CSN Kings Insider podcast. <laughs> so, uh, big shout out to Omri Caspi again. Omri is an absolutely phenomenal human being. I'm I'm glad he's part of the Sacramento Kings franchise. He's one of the good guys, people. Uh, I, I very much enjoy his, his, his time with the Kings. And again, I hope it's a long stay with the Kings. So thanks to Omri for coming in. That's back-to-back weeks. Last week, we had the Costa Kufus. This week, Omri Caspi. We'll keep rolling this out. Hopefully, have some sort of resolution with the Darren Collison situation by next Friday or Saturday. And uh, we'll keep plugging away, trying to give you as much information as we can as we trudge through the dog days of summer. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. Thank you for tuning in to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. See you next week. <laughs>